and welcome to the Forbes India Cover Story podcast series in association with theindicast.com. My name is Abhishek and this issue's cover focuses on how one of India's hottest companies in the pharma sector is growing rapidly. We are talking about Lupin Pharmaceuticals and it has had a busy time in the last few months. To talk all about it with me on the call is Avik Datta, the author of the cover story and also the associate editor there. Thanks for joining in, Avik. Thanks. Thanks, Abhishek. When we talk about pharma, the first few companies that pop up in our minds are, let's say, Ranbaxy, Sun Pharmaceuticals, even Paris for that matter, or Dr. Reddy's. Lupin might not be associated in, in the first go. Could you give a brief background about Lupin? How big is it as compared to the others and how long has it been in the business in the first place? Lupin, of course, as a company, it was founded in about 1968, and uh, it had a late entry into the Indian, uh, in, into the entire generic pharmaceutical space. But uh, it has grown by leaps and bounds since then. Uh, today, if you look at it, it is the third largest Indian pharmaceutical company by sales. If you look at the U.S. generics drug market, which is the largest market in the world, it is the largest amongst all Indian companies there in terms of prescriptions. And uh, overall, if you look at all the generic uh, drug makers around the world, in that pecking order, Lupin is sixth in terms of prescriptions in the U.S. market. So it has clearly grown in stature, size, and scale ever since it was founded in 1968 by Dr. Desh Gupta, who was a professor at the Bits Pilani. And he actually started this as a company to make certain life-saving drugs for the Indian population, you know. They started off by making anti-tuberculosis drugs. But somewhere down the line, they lost their way because they made certain real estate investments that went bad. And that sort of uh, set the company back a little bit because it was under a significant debt burden. But they have course corrected since then. And, and today they are one of clearly one of the largest uh, Indian pharmaceutical companies on all parameters. They have been a little under the radar because they don't really like to talk much except the regular routine disclosures that they are supposed to make to the stock markets and the investors. But we did manage to get hold of the management and have elaborate chats uh, with them about their future plans. So what did they say when you asked them about their recent acquiring spree? For instance, when you type Lupin in Google News, words like buying, acquiring, bought, and these are the words that come about. One thing that everybody likes to talk about is synergies. Let's yes. decode this jargon and tell us, <laughs> what in, in normal English, why are they acquiring while others probably are not at the same pace? You're right. They have been acquiring quite a few companies and entire Lupin's philosophy towards these acquisitions, it's called a string of pearls approach, wherein they acquire very, very small companies uh, which are located all over the world. And they are acquiring these companies for one of three things. Either these companies give them a drug portfolio, which Lupin does not already have, or maybe they are present in these markets with certain drugs which are complementary to the kind of drugs that the acquiry companies are going to give them. So that is one thing. These drugs are mostly in the space of specialty drugs. And when we say specialty drugs, we typically mean drugs which are used to treat extremely complex ailments. The second thing that they are acquiring companies for is technology. So, you know, technology means the way in which these drugs are administered. It could be complex injectables or some such. The third thing, of course, is geographic reach. I mean, there are many regions in the world where the pharmaceutical market has grown pretty big, Japan being one of them. The U.S. is obviously another. Australia is another market. So they are obviously acquiring companies there to give them a larger footprint. So this is the approach that they have followed. Yes, other companies have also acquired 
But if you look at the pace at which Lupin has been acquiring companies, clearly they have stepped it up over the last one and a half years, in which period they have acquired about six companies, including the acquisition of Gavis, which was an $880 million buy, which makes it the most expensive acquisition by an Indian pharmaceutical company abroad. And what did they have to say about it, meaning in terms of the thinking, the founders whom you interviewed, and they're quite young too, the second generation. So these are big decisions in markets that can break or make you. What was the thought behind it and how well are these acquisitions already doing or is it too soon? Yes, it is too soon, but what do they make of it? It is too soon, but to answer your first question first, I mean, why the Gavis acquisition? It gives Lupin quite a few advantages in the U.S. market. First of all, Gavis is present in certain niche drugs which Lupin wants to get a hold of. When the Gavis acquisition is taken into consideration, it will have about 160-odd ANDAs, which is abbreviated new drug applications, which are essentially applications that you file with the U.S. drug regulator to launch new generic medicines in that market. They will have the fifth largest pipeline after this acquisition. The CEO of the company, Vinita Gupta, who's Deshbandu Gupta's daughter, she says that, you know, it is like having more shots on goal so that, you know, this can increase the product pipeline of the company over the coming years, which they can then monetize. And that has a direct impact on the revenues and profitability of the company. The second thing that the Gavis acquisition gives them is a manufacturing base in the U.S. Now, through this manufacturing base, they can tap into the U.S. government business, which is something that they couldn't do earlier because the government business doesn't allow you to sort of import drugs from India. They have mitigated that problem now because they have a manufacturing presence in the U.S. The third thing is that there is something called as controlled substances, which are used to, again, treat certain complex ailments, but which also have the potential for abuse. As such, they are regulated by the U.S. regulator. And again, having a manufacturing site in the U.S. will help Lupin sort of cater to this market. And if you look at Gavis itself, it is a very, very healthy, profitable company. It has an EBITDA margin of about 36%. So again, I mean, access to new products, access to newer businesses, and an up and running asset is, is what Lupin made this acquisition for. Right. And when we talk about all the acquisitions that you mentioned before, where is the money coming from? I I read that it is still a debt-free company. That's right. Lupin in its history has periods of one year or two years where they have been indebted. Most notably in FY 2007-8, they had some amount of debt on their balance sheets, which came into being because they were making certain acquisitions. But what Lupin has done very well is that it has integrated the companies that it has acquired very well with its existing operations. And the resultant cash flows from the consolidated operations have been used to repay debt. As a result, as you correctly mentioned, Lupin is a debt-free company at the moment. But of course, an $880 million buy is an expensive acquisition. So they will be acquiring debt. In fact, they have already tied up with JP Morgan Shares, which will be funding the entire acquisition amount. But they will be refinancing this with longer-term debt with a greater maturity profile subsequently. So yes, there will be some amount of debt that will be added to the balance sheet. But the management believes that under no circumstances is the debt-to-EBITDA or the debt-to-equity ratios of the company, uh, under no circumstances will they be stretched beyond comfortable proportions. Right. And the last one, how long do you sense that they will continue their existing plan of this kind of growth? When do they stop, rather? 
well uh, that is an interesting question and i don't think we have an answer to that but from basis my conversations with the managing director of the company nilesh gupta it is very clear that their appetite has not been satiated yet uh, they are looking at a few more acquisitions they will not be as big as the gavis acquisition but uh, according to him they are looking at acquisitions worth about 500 to 700 million dollars more which will again give them a great foothold into the specialty drugs market which they are so actively looking to tap and also certain new technologies that they want to acquire so yes i think this shopping spree is going to continue for a, a certain period of time but if i may add there i spoke to certain investors of the company most notably rakesh janjanwala the well known indian billionaire investor who's been invested in dupin for about 15 years now and he has reposed complete faith in the management and the strategy that they are employing and he believes that under no circumstances is the management going to spread the company's resources too thin but at the same time uh, these acquisitions will bear value and fruit in the future according to him right i hope we get to read some follow ups on this one either on first post or on forbes india itself a week from you sure a week on that note it's time to wrap up thanks a lot for your time thank you so much abhishek and all you listeners you can get this podcast on forbesindia.com as well as on itunes just type in forbes india on the top right corner of itunes and to have someone call you for a forbes india subscription just message forbes to 51818